Tonight I'd like to um, talk a little bit about uh, the qualities of the heart that are developed, cultivated in this practice, or maybe, yeah, both uh, cultivated but also um, cultivated as something that grows, but also uh, accessed, maybe, or released or uncovered or liberated as uh, not something that grows but something that is there and that uh, maybe has been uh, something has been uh, laid covered that it's been covered over there's actually, it seems like in the Buddhist uh, philo- uh, psychology, two ways to understand uh, to understand these uh, how these qualities surface, surface. So there's one version where it says the the heart is naturally radiant and responsive. The heart naturally. Uh, wishes well, naturally uh, will feel compassion when it's not uh, when it meets uh, what is difficult and that is when it's not taken by wrong views or wrong understanding so when we liberate the mind from uh, the wrong perceptions, beliefs uh, expectations, etc naturally it says that the heart uh, will shine with joy or care or wish well only when it's uh, visited that's one of the <coughs> wording that is used in the text uh, apparently by the Buddha saying when forces of the mind are visiting so they're not kind of inerrant forces of the mind are visiting uh, they uh, they will hide these qualities when the, confu- you know confusion will hide or impair the capacity for the heart to uh, to be re- radiant so there's this version where it's naturally like this and my teacher jack cornfield uh, often uh, i heard him tell this story of a of a certain Buddha statue that was, uh, in, I think, in Thailand, and for many, many uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, there was this big Buddha statue made of uh, I don't know what mud and this and that, and uh, at some point they found a crack and they looked under and there was a gold Buddha that had been there but it had been covered and he uses this uh, this uh, image to talk about how the, the heart is naturally radiant in other places in the texts and in the teachings uh, there is talk of uh, the development, the cultivation of the heart qualities the capacity for the heart to resonate, that's what we're talking about, the heart that vibrates, uh, 
And the four qualities, maybe uh, you know these qualities. It is a little uh, grouping that is very useful to, uh, I think, to, uh, to, to have in mind a useful way to, a useful little list. And so in these four qualities of the heart, the Brahma-viharas. Brahma-viharas means uh, the divine abodes. At the time of the Buddha, apparently, um, people, the, one of the beliefs or one of the wishes at the time was to uh, become one with uh, Brahma or go join Brahma. It was a, a kind of a paradise, you could, you could uh, say. And uh, <coughs> the Buddha seemed to have been saying something like, oh, you want to join uh, Brahma, you want to be in paradise. Let me tell you what paradise is. Paradise, the abodes, the kingdoms or the temples of Brahma are for its benevolence, when the heart is benevolent. So it's not a somewhere where you'll go after death or a place or a geographical place. It's a state of mind, of benevolence uh, or loving kindness, of compassion. <coughs> This is the benevolence when it meets what is difficult for self or for others. Joy, the capacity to rejoice, to really take in beauty, success, uh, the beautiful qualities, one's own and the others, uh, what works in, in the world, you know, to be able to take it in and be, and resonate and be touched by it. And then the last quality is uh, equanimity the capacity for the heart to stay stable in a world that is unstable, you know. So not the heart not falling in the extreme of despair or resentment or re reactivity of any kind, clinging, the capacity to meet the world as it's happening uh, with balance. So this equanimity uh, is not indifference, It's not being flat. It's not being dissociated or <coughs> disconnected. It's not that. It could be mistaken by that. It's often uh, presented as, as the near enemy of equanimity. When you're mistaken and you think, I don't mind, I don't mind, you know? And But there's like, it's dismissive, it's disconnected. One definition of equanimity actually is... Uh, equally near to all things. You might have heard that. So there's a lot of equally near to all things. It's, it talks about intimacy, about uh, to me there is resonance in that. There is vibrancy. It's vibrant. And so these are the four qualities. Um, and they're known to work, in, uh, work well together in the kind of synergy Like uh, it says that together it makes every one of them stronger. They need the other to be their best expression. Uh, for example, benevolence or loving kindness uh, maybe without equanimity, without the stability of the mind, maybe wouldn't have a, a duration. Maybe it would just show up 
haphazardly sometimes. Oh, I'm benevolent. I happen to be benevolent, you know, and vanish as soon as there would be something displeasing happening, or you know. And so, uh, equanimity, uh, compassion invites benevolence in the field of the difficult. Mudita is the word in Pali for joy or rejoicing. Invites uh, the well-wishing, <coughs> the kindness in the field of the beautiful and the happy and the joyful. And so these qualities give a breadth and depth, duration, strength to uh, uh, benevolence or loving kindness. could be that um, the benevolence we have could be only for those we love and care for you know it could be related to attachment to the bonds we've created you know and the benevolence then couldn't go further away from the circle of those we care for so in this practice is it that we cultivate a benevolence that will be unconditional or immeasurable Immeasurable is a way that these qualities are uh, qualified or described. Sometimes they're called the four immeasurable. Why? Because it says there's no limit to the number of beings that can be included in them. There can be a benevolence that has no limit to the number of beings. And even I think the Buddha said it's unfathomable. If you, you can't even think Uh, about the power of love we could say how powerful it is it's impossible for it's buggling it would make a mind crazy to try to figure out how far uh, love or another translation for metta that's the word in English for benevolence of uh, or uh, in Pali for benevolence or loving kindness uh, another word word in English would be uh, friendliness So friendliness is uh, this wishing well for the other, so this uh, unperturbable friendliness. And so if there was only equanimity and not the other qualities, it might be dry a little bit. You know, heart very stable, mind very stable. But metta brings a little bit of uh, warmth, maybe a fluid, fluidity in there. So it, it's a little bit more juicy than just balanced. It's balanced, but it's vibrating or it's uh, embracing or it's... Uh, something is emanating. <coughs> By the way, another uh, way to translate metta that I quite like is uh, non-hatred. And so I like that because it doesn't raise the bar so high, you know, like unconditional love. Seems to have a challenge to it, you know. But non-hatred, you know, can I be in a state of non-hatred? And then suddenly it becomes more accessible, it seems. 
And like one teacher says, you don't have to uh, to <coughs> like people to love them. That's interesting. You don't have to like people to love them. Sometimes uh, we can think of it as more uh, how it can be born is uh, or accessed is through a deep respect for uh, um, sensitivity. Like for me, recognizing that beings are sensitive, that they are sensitive to pain, they're sensitive to, uh, you know, they, they're sensitive to what is difficult. And so, when I touch this, even for an enemy, then maybe I have this wish that they be safe from harm. might not agree with their actions or words or thoughts, but maybe I gain access to something that I don't want them to to suffer, or at least not too much. And if there was only compassion, then we would be stuck in a world where we would only see what doesn't work, what is painful. And it would be easy. Many of us live, uh, I've imbalance in this way. You know, it's hard for some of us to notice what works, what is beautiful, what is uh, in, inside ourselves, in the world, in situation, <coughs> in people. And that's certainly uh, in the wise efforts of this practice. It's half of the practice actually is the capacity to be with what is difficult, but the other half is the capacity to recognize what is uh, what is noble, worthy. Uh, the half is uh, be able to meet what is difficult, and the other half is being able to nourish, gladden, brighten the mind. So that's a whole ar- art. Huh? And you might have seen this here. You know, what do you do when the sit? doesn't end or when it's followed by again another walk (laughs) you know how do you maintain the heart and mind in balance are you able to actually recognize beauty and let it nourish feed the soul you know and the problem would be also happening if there was only access to joy you know and some people suffer from that they only see and they fear what is difficult, you know, so they kind of try to use all their s- senses as radars for what's good and what's working, and, and they need compassion. They need to be able to say, like, come, come in the battlefield of the world. It's okay. It's there. You know, you can recognize what's beautiful, and you can also recognize what doesn't work, what is painful. The whole shabang, or the full catastrophe, If uh, if joy didn't have uh, access to, uh, wasn't helped by equanimity or compassion, for example, it could even easily become its uh, its near enemy of exuberance, a joy that is disconnected from uh, what's happening around, that can't allow what is difficult, you know, and so it's kind of like energetically, it's 
it's very jumpy and very disconnected and usually it makes us uh, uncomfortable you know, it's good I'm good we're good it's all good <laughs> you know <laughs> And so, uh, and so they play together synergy and helping and maybe creating a wholesome, uh, how's it called, a wholesome, virtuous uh, cycle or something like this. I've been uh, touched by how they work together uh, in a few different ways, but some ways that stood out was um, a few years ago, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, there was a large retreat. There was, uh, I think, 108 of us, something like that. And uh, it was, uh, uh, yeah, so there was a large group of people and uh, it was a bit of a longer retreat. And towards the end of the retreat, one of the teachers of the retreat, uh, Shahara, uh, she uh, she said, uh, tonight, uh, maybe it was the last evening, she said, tonight we're going to do a, s- a special, instead of a Dharma talk, maybe. So I'm, I'm r- telling you the way I, it comes to my mind now. So we all know that memory is uh, <laughs> is its own making, you know, its own fiction. But uh, anyway, she she organized the thing. She presented it. She said, "Tonight we're going to make a big circle. We're going to sit in a large kind of console kind of thing, and uh, we're going to put a few chairs and cushion in the center. And tonight is going to be a mudita night, a night of rejoicing. So we're going to tell each other." Even touching for me to to remember this. So tonight we're going to tell stories of a joy together to each other. And so spontaneously you'll be welcome to come in the circle and tell a story of joy. And so that we can actually uh, maybe feel how joy can be shared. And uh, mudita is this. Per- uh, specific definition of being the joy in the joy of others so this this particular particular aspect of joy of the sometimes it's called sympathetic joy the joy for the joy of others so being able to rejoice for the joy of somebody else it's quite different than envy jealousy comparing <laughs> why they not me you know and the i think the dalai lama said if you actually have access to that kind of joy you multiply your access to joy by uh, 7 billion people. (laughs) So it means you have access to a large, infinite pool of joy if you are able to rejoice for the joy of others. And so Shara said, we're going to do an evening of uh, sharing joyful stories. (coughs) And, uh, And so people came, and we spent the whole evening you know, one after the other, somebody came. I just want to tell this little story, little snippet of something maybe that had happened during the retreat. Like, oh, this this person did that. I saw them hold the door for somebody else, and it just made me so happy. And, and other people tell longer story, older stories of their life. You know, and uh, <coughs> what kept showing uh, 
for me very, very clearly is how much our joy is so embedded also in our pain. Like they couldn't, that evening, they couldn't be separated. Uh, uh, there was, in the whole story, uh, in the whole stories, all the stories, there was two stories, among others, but they, they were, I think they were, uh, they were standing out in how joy was related to our pain. But there's uh, one uh, woman, one mother, who came and she... Uh, and she said, I want to tell you about uh, like the most beautiful joy I had in my life is when my son was dying and she uh, proceeded to tell us the last few days of her, uh, the death of her son who was at the hospital and was sick. And uh, the joy she had uh, of being able to be there and spend these last... Uh, Moment, and you could see it was not just joy in there. I mean, I think I don't. I don't have that experience, but I can imagine in here that it's one of the most difficult experience that somebody, a human being, can go through: uh, the loss of a of a child. And some of you might know this uh, really well, or fear this. Uh, but. It was quite something that this uh, person being invited to share a joy story would say, I actually, this is the story I want to tell. This is the story of that. And later in the evening, somebody else came with a similar story, again, very different. It was a very different uh, situation they were describing, but also the loss of a child. And uh, they were describing the, the beauty of that child you know, and the joy of having had that child and met that child and rejoicing in how, uh, yeah, the qualities of this being. And there was many, many stories, stories that seemed to be uh, related to, uh, that were related to uh, racism, something extremely painful. But something coming out of that not that I'm saying here that oh racism should be there you know for us to experience joy not at all <laughs> not at all <coughs> how strange so strange that uh, our difficulties uh, can you know and bring uh, things I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, one of the most difficult things that ha has happened and is happening maybe in my life is, uh, I don't know if, um, how much of a source of joy it is, but definitely a, a main teacher and definitely uh, definitely uh, yeah, I think maybe the best, the, the most, the, an amazing gift has been to uh, uh, live with HIV. And I've been living with HIV for 20 years. I was a kid when it uh, started and there was no medication. And you would think it's a curse, it's, a, it's only making everything complex, but it's definitely been uh, an amazing, extremely powerful vehicle 
say that? Like mode of transportation for the opening of the heart and the development of wisdom and uh, deeper considerations, uh, deeper considerations about around life. So, um, yeah. So how and when we when we come to retreat, I think that's the field we enter. Uh, how the difficulties can. Uh, lead to such amazing tenderness and strangely enough sometimes we can suddenly feel appreciative of this hu- difficult human life or uh, yeah how difficulty can le- uh, lend itself to so much beauty also Another way that I've been touched about uh, how these uh, how these are mixed together, beauty and difficulties, and uh, is a few years ago in Montreal at the FTA, the, the, this great um, theater festival. There was a play uh, that came, and the title of the play is. Uh, on the concept of the face of the Son of God. It's a long title. (laughs) And uh, so there was the play, and the play was deeply moving. And a few of my friends were saying, theater goers, theater makers, they were saying, I've never seen anything, such a piece of art, so beautiful. And uh, the um, the director of the play, uh, Castellucci, an Italian uh, creator, uh, artist. Uh, so there was the play that night that I went, and there was also after, you know, uh, as they do sometimes, they said after you can meet, the director, director will be there. So if you stay for a few more minutes, he'll come on stage, and <coughs> there will be an exchange with the audience. And so Castellucci told the story of how the play came about. And he said, uh, uh, I wanted to make a play about uh, beauty. I wanted to, to talk about what, what is, what, what could I, how could I talk about the most beautiful, like what beauty, like, and find the most beautiful thing to put in play, you know. And I wanted to talk about beauty. Again, that's how I remember how he explained it. And uh, so he's a he's a he's a visual artist, I think, and a, 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 a artistic director, and then a metal scene. And a, um, what is a metal scene? St- yeah, he's a director, and uh, he said he went back to his. Uh, years at uh, Les Beaux-Arts, at art school, and he looked at every painting he had studied, <coughs> and he found one painting that to him really represented beauty. There was nothing more beautiful than this painting. And so on stage, what you had, uh, what your experience was as a 
that's the audience so you would be sitting where you are and it was at La Place des Arts so huge, the biggest uh, huge stage and you would have this, he made a really big uh, this painting it's, in the, it's uh, the face of Christ and the gaze is eyes are open but the gaze is low and there's a little bit of a smile and it uh, to me and I think that's what it's meant and I think for most people what is recognized is compassion there's, there's this very tender look uh, maybe it's looking down at human beings you know, trying to survive in the world where they're often separated from what they want and don't have much control and, and so there's this very tender uh, looking down very loving and so you come as a, as, as a spectator, as an audience you have this huge thing and it's looking at you actually because the way the eyes are it's, it's looking down you know, like this and uh, the play starts and it's, uh, everything is white on stage it's uh, the interior of a modern apartment you know, like white sofa, white table, chairs very modern, white kind of clinical kitchen <coughs> and there's a white elderly person sitting on the white sofa watching a white TV in a white uh, evening gowns, you know, like a robe de chambre and uh, the sun comes is in his 50s and uh, you can kind of guess that it's the morning and he's going to work so he's busy, he has his ties putting his things, briefcase and he kisses his uh, you, you guess it's the father You know, he's living with his father and, and he kisses the father and he leaves and as he closes the door you hear the, the, the elderly uh, man he goes like ah, ah, oh, oh, oh and so the son looks and he comes back and the father did in his pants you know, in his, in, in, on the sofa, in the, and so the son's like, "Oh, dad, it's okay, it's okay, dad." Don't. And the father, shame comes, and you know, confusion, and and the and the son is saying, "It's okay, dad, it's okay, I'm going to change you." And so, there's everything is white except this spot of dark shit, you know. <laughs> And uh, Castellucci went, went uh, as far as actually making it in odorama. <laughs> so it means you, s through the play, suddenly there's this smell that's <laughs> of uh, souffre, you know, like it's... Sulfurous. Oh. Sulfurous, like pungent or something. And... Uh, <coughs> And uh, the this, the whole scene is a, v a small exchange. Like I'm so ashamed. Don't worry. We're gonna take care of it. A few words, and uh, goes to get white towels. Uh, takes care, cleans the dad, and helps the dad to sit down again. And just as he leaves again, oh oh oh. And so you go through the same scene again, same dialogue, exactly the same, but nuances in play, more irritation, more, you know, more shame, uh, uh, discouragement suddenly, uh, you know, in the face of the, the old, the, the son, you know, and they go through, they do the same thing about five times. This is the play. And at some point, there's more and more shit everywhere. <laughs> On the white carpet. It's even uh, flowing from the, the 
Christ face starts to pour down, you know. And what's what's what is uh, deeply touching in this is that the face of Christ, which is the major thing in your face, you know, is that there's this this thing is unperturbed. The care keeps coming, you know. The love keeps being there, and it's very tender, and it's not. It's it's just this. It keeps going. It keeps going. And <coughs> you know, it, it's really well made. The the whole thing, but it's a very simple little act, little thing, and it's repeated, repeated, repeated. And uh, there's another part to it, but let's say I'm, I'm going to stop here. You know. And you know, I was deeply touched, and my friends also. After they were saying, "Oh my God, I'm so happy! I feel so lucky that I was able to see this. This was absolutely amazing." And Castellucci was talking about beauty, and he's saying, "I wanted to express beauty, so I found looking at my things, old, uh, <coughs> you know, paintings that I studied. I discovered that painting that I thought this is beauty. There's nothing more be- beautiful than love, and." that particular painting and where could I find beauty where it's it, it's not obvious and then he said well shit you know shit is like the the opposite of beauty and could I make beauty come out of that you know and you know and sh- not just shit but also uh, incontinence incontinence is really like the shameful thing that nobody talks about you know and uh, so he said, I wanted to bring this because I think beauty can be born out of the most difficult. And I wanted to see if I can, I could do this, if I could do this on stage. And uh, from my point of view and a few people I talked to, uh, it was actually a, 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 su- a success. You know, the, this play was definitely about beauty, the beauty of uh, love that is possible between beings, the beauty of... Uh, compassion a friend of mine was there and she not exactly knowing what was going to happen but it was Castellucci's world renowned she said she bought tickets and she brought her father and she said when it started I was like oh my god like what did I do (laughs) what did I do Poor my father and poor us. We're going to have to talk about this. You know. <laughs> anyway, after the play, her father said, you know, he was deeply touched and very, very thankful that her daughter had brought him to see the play. And uh, she said it was actually it was a beautiful thing. You know. So. Uh, here on retreat, we slow down and we stop uh, a lot of the distractions and we stop moving even for big lumps of time. And one of the things that definitely happens is that we, m- we meet the difficult, you know, and that is a doorway to start caring, caring about the mind that is a mess, you know, or heart that is incapable of being simply here it creates all kinds of problems uh, as there's 
as I was saying with somebody, there's, there's actually <coughs> one way that I see what we're doing, that I enjoy the form, is that we do nothing, actually. And there's nothing happening. We just sit, people cook for us, we walk a little bit, and we sit again. <laughs> but then, still, it's epic. You know, it's, it's the big challenge, and I've... You look back, oh, I did the retreat, I did, I survived <laughs> a three-day retreat, and people went, oh yeah, you survived, what, what was the challenge? <laughs> people were cooking for you, you, know? <laughs> you had nothing to do, I was there with the kids, you know? <laughs> with the rest of the family in the dark. And, and, uh, and so we, we sit. And because there's less distraction and there's less movement a bit, uh, things will come to the surface on un- unresolved business, you know, and and stressful uh, beliefs and understanding will reveal their stressful uh, nature. And so we'll be able to uh, maybe learn to attend to this uh, and uh, gain access again to a compassion that we didn't have when we were in our uh, exigence, in our demands for things to be like this or like that, or us to be like this or like that, or others. You know. There's one Zen teacher who was known to say uh, often to his students, would report their experience. I'm having great difficulty with this, that, and that. You know? <laughs> and the answer often, apparently, from this particular teacher was, uh, hmm, more suffering needed. <laughs> more suffering needed. <laughs> like soak in it a little bit longer. <laughs> like now you t- you still want, you know, you haven't met it really with high quality presence. You've met it with a jumpy mind, with a mind that uh, has still a lot of ideas, you know. When you really meet it, something will happen, you know. The wisdom will be born, the compassion will be born. And so that's, uh, that's the kind of the design of this, uh, of this practice here. We sit with, with it, the physical discomfort, the doubt in the mind about our value or about the future and at some point we discover that it's too costly to resist too costly to hate too costly to uh, keep dreaming about or demanding something else that actually maybe the way of less resistance is to actually feel allow and in that we maybe discover that we can be with stuff. And actually, that's uh, sometimes we have the we wonder how um, letting go will happen, you know. And we hear often ourselves. We talk to ourselves like this. We talk to others, or other talks to us like this, and they say, "Let go, let go," you know. And it's really annoying <laughs> because, of course, I would let go, you know. If uh, you know, but when we say that, or when it's said to us, because there's a lack of wisdom, wisdom that letting go is not a voluntary thing. It's not a 
It's not happening out of will. It's happening, letting go happens uh, from deep understanding. And so, first we need to understand that hanging on, resisting, is more painful, you know. But we need to soak in the resistance with uh, awareness, (coughs) with mindfulness, with sensitivity to find out. And once we'll understand that it's costly, of course the system will let go, you know. And here it happens in all kinds of ways. One of the classic ways is uh, a retreatant <coughs> uh, being completely annoyed by uh, the neighbor's breathing process. You know, it's funny because in our life we don't get to, we don't usually get so annoyed by people breathing. You know? <laughs> but because you know we leave our world with. Its like it's how to say it it's uh, it's patterning you know and we come here and we bring the patterning you know but then we can't apply it to the behavior of somebody else so we'll apply it to their breathing you know so it's just a small scale of our own mind and we find all the friends and foes and we organize the same little world we have outside in here you know. we can be mistaken we can really believe it's the others uh, the way they, I don't know what, put their shoes, leave their shoes, or breathe. But anyway, there's resistance, there's opinions. And if we soak in it long enough, at some point, you know, like, ah, I can't have an opinion about your breathing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I I can't be right about this... (laughs) you breathing wrongly you know like it's exhausting mm-hmm. and then there's something you know because you've soaked in your reactivity long enough that you're like ah just breathe as you want you know <laughs> and the person just keeps breathing as they do and suddenly you're like I, actually I don't care like, I, I don't even notice it you know it's the reactivity as uh, let go but you couldn't let go before you did and hopefully you will you know, conditions will be brought together that you can let go before you leave retreat. Otherwise, you know, you'll go home and still despise the breathing <laughs> of the person, although it won't have finished. It will be finished, you know. You'll carry it with you. Yeah. So, sometimes that's the form it takes. More suffering needed. I need to be in that resistance. Uh, I need to... Uh, I need to see uh, the abusive tendencies, attitude, tone, or words of the mind, you know. I have to actually hear with a higher quality awareness (coughs) how this mind talks to itself. So I can be shaken. I can be... uh, I can be uh, really... uh, gain an insight into the violence that can be there inside.
And so one of the things that might happen in the course of practice is that instead of being uh, habitually uh, or conditionally or uh, unconsciously uh, <coughs> what's the word here under the subdued maybe sub- subdued means something is overpowering you know sub- subdued sorry Spell? yeah uh, so anyway maybe I'm going t- too complex but for many of us we have a system of value that is a lot related to pleasant and unpleasant. So we want pleasant, and we fear displeasure. To the extent that we want pleasant, we fear displeasure. And we live according to that. We make choices according to that. We, we organize according to that, and we, became, we become subdued by that system of value that was inherited, or, or it was just not questioned, you know. And my sense is here we're changing the system of value. It's not like I absolutely need pleasant and don't want unpleasant. Suddenly I discovered that actually the way I meet experience is a lot more powerful in terms of happiness or sense of freedom or sense of uh, equilibrium or sense of uh, fullness. The way I meet experiences maybe that is my new system of value changes so we call sometimes a change of lineage I mean the I mean the tradition of those who want pleasure and security and comfort at all costs and will fear and stress about <laughs> and despise and want to destroy this pleasure and maybe there's a change that happens where I don't avoid pleasure, and I can even go towards it, but not at all cost, not at the cost of my freedom. You know? And that I start to know that actually, uh, maybe I'm more interested in reality and how it can be met. That's more juicy for me. Well, I'm interested in reality. I'm not interested in the version that I have in mind that would feel more comfortable for me or pleasant or convenient I'm interested in the reality and how it can be met wisely having access to compassion so I don't fall into despair reactivity shut down etc but the energy keeps flowing in the difficult and also in the joy I don't paralyze you know oh my god am I going to be able to keep it you know can I secure it? Don't touch it. <laughs> Precious. <laughs> but I can meet fully and actually experience pleasure in a more full way because I'm not so fearful of losing it. Because it, I will.
So here's from a, a Zenju Earthen uh, Manual um, uh, to finish this uh, maybe prayer or expression of uh, metta and the qualities of the heart. I invite you if you want to close your eyes and we'll finish the, the evening talk with, uh, with this. Maybe it's a good wish also to have as, as we uh, start the new year today. May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience, be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as their life is precious, be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings be appreciated, feel welcomed anywhere on the planet, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes. Live on the planet, housed and protected from harm. <clears throat> be given what is needed to live fully, without scarcity, Enjoy life, living without fear of another, be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life. Be given time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.